0: Well, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, which is going to be very hard for you guys to find. Uh, I'm excited to let you guys know that we are going to be starting a new series in the book of Genesis. Uh, You don't have to be too afraid, as there's 50 chapters in Genesis. Uh, We are only going to be going through the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis, okay? And so... The book of Genesis is really the book of beginnings. Uh, That is what the word Genesis means. It means uh, beginning in Hebrew. It is the book of origins. It is the book of first. And so uh, I'm very excited. I believe God is gonna really use this time together uh, to lay a foundation for your lives. Raise your hand if you were here with us at the Q&A on Sunday. Uh, Each service, there was a theme that just kept on coming back and that was the fact that I kept referencing the book of Genesis, and specifically, uh, these 11 chapters. Uh, this is a, a 11 chapters in the Bible that address so many different things. And so uh, we're excited uh, for this. Now, uh, the title of the message today is just simply, In the Beginning, because we are only looking at one verse today, and yes, that is Genesis 1.1. Um, but we'll come back to that. I want to just kind of give you a a quick kind of understanding regarding the history of the world. You're like, what? Quick understanding? Yeah, here it is, okay? So from Genesis chapter 1 to 11, this is going to be the focus of our series on Wednesdays for the foreseeable future. There is about 2,000 years that span from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, all the way to the end of Genesis chapter 11. And then we find, starting in Genesis 12, regarding Abraham, all the way to the beginning of the New Testament or the last book of the Old Testament, uh, the book of Malachi, there's another about 2,000 years that spans during that time. And then, of course, from now the book of Matthew or the time of Jesus uh, to present, as we know from our calendar, there's again about a 2,000-year period. And so this is kind of how we come to the conclusion that our earth is not billions of years old, but it's approximately 6,000 years old, for sure, under 10,000 years old. And so I just wanted you to show this to you because look how significant 11 chapters really are. 11 chapters span Two thousand years of history, one third of the world's history, creation's history, the universe's history, are found in these eleven chapters, and so there's much to learn from them. Uh, we see that within these eleven chapters, things that you and I are going to talk about are the origin of the universe, origin of order and complexity, order of the solar origin of the solar system, origin of the atmosphere and hydrosphere, origin of life origin of man, origin of marriage, origin of evil. And you guys know what origin means, right? The beginning, the source of. Uh, Origin of language, origin of government, origin of culture, and that's only the first 11 chapters. And so uh, we we believe that God's gonna be speaking to us during this time. Um, But we do need to just understand uh, something crucial before we, we dive in today, okay? And that's the fact that, we believe that Moses is the author of this book. Now, we believe like any other book in the Bible that it's not only the person who's writing, but we believe that it is the Holy Spirit who moves that person, inspires that person's writing uh, to make it Holy Scripture. And newsflash, Moses was not there in the beginning. Right, Genesis 1.1, Moses didn't exist. Genesis chapter 2, Moses didn't exist. Even Genesis chapter 50, Moses did not exist. So, how is someone going to write about this who was not there? Well, we believe that the Holy Spirit was there in the beginning, right? You see him very clearly portrayed in verse 2. Of the first chapter of the book of Genesis. And so we're trusting that God's word is inerrant because of the proof that we have. And uh, we are also in good company, believing the fact that Moses is the author of this book, because guess what? Jesus believed that Moses was the author of this book. I want you to just note down as a way of introduction, John chapter 5 Verse 46 and 47, this is when Jesus is encountering some of those Pharisees, some of those religious uh, leaders who were against him and against what he said. And notice here, he says, for if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Now, do you notice that? Do you notice this connection? He says, if you believe Moses, who wrote about me, meaning that there's prophecy within those, those books, those first five books that Moses did write, uh, then the fact that he says, but if you do not believe his writings, how you'll be, believe my words? He's showing that they're the same. He's showing that they are connected because they are all God's word. And so uh, as we come to Genesis chapter one, this is not a myth, okay? This is not a theory. You know how there's lots of theories of the origin of the world? Genesis 1 is not a theory. Uh, Genesis 1 is not a hypothesis. Genesis chapter 1 is God's word to us on who he, being the only one there, tells us how it went down. Something to note down for you, in our New Testament, there are over 165 passages 165, that quote from the book of Genesis, which is further assurance to us that the book of Genesis is not some poetry book. So you, will, you might hear one day as you guys get older and begin to be challenged in the ways that you think, which you will. Listen, in our world, you will be challenged with what you think. And so that is why we need to know what we think, and we need to know what the Bible says. And one of the things that people propose is that Genesis chapter 1 through 11 is poetical in nature, meaning that, oh, it's just kind of a, 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 nice, a nice thing that, that, was, that someone wrote. Uh, it, it's, it's kind of something that's, uh, you know, nice to read, but that didn't actually happen, it wasn't written as a historical narrative, uh, but the truth is is that this is a historical account. Okay, and so we're about to dive in to Genesis chapter one, verse one. We don't have too much scripture reading today. Uh, if you have your Bibles open, we're going to read that in a second. But um, I'm just hoping today that I don't have as much trouble as uh, this gentleman that I'm going to show you a video of. All right. Why? We have, uh, there we go. You can turn it back down. Can you turn iTunes off? I got a video for you. It, it probably ruined it, but it's okay. I'm still going to show it to you because it's hilarious. And you will, you will laugh, hopefully. Okay. You will laugh at least to make, at least to make me happy. Let's see. Now it's, it's not letting me go. So if you can just go to the next. There you go. This one. In the beginning. In the. In the bini, in the bining Yeah in the in, in, uh, in the listen in, in the yeah. in 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 the bininging. in the Oh, it's, too, it's just too good. So hopefully, uh, as I read the verse to you guys and we pray for God's anointing, hopefully I don't have as much trouble as our friend there on the screen. Let's read Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful that we don't have to guess. We're so thankful that we don't have to, to hope this is how it was, that we can walk out of this room today having confidence and assurance that what you have said in your word is exactly how it went down. And Lord, we thank you that the Bible is not something that contradicts science, but goes alongside it. Lord, it's the, it's, it's the, it's the book that continues to outsmart the scientists. Well, we know that the Bible and science has agreed the whole time. Lord, but as we... Make these advancements in our understanding, the Bible stands true. And God, we thank you that you have written to us in this way that we might understand who we are, where we've come from, who you are, how powerful you are. Because, Lord, we know that as we know those things, we'll be able to live the life that you've created us to live. And so we love you and pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I would think for most of you, a verse that you've heard over and over and over again, though maybe for some of you, it's the very first time you've heard it. Genesis chapter 1.1, it's been said before that if you can believe this verse, you will not find it difficult to believe anything else in the whole Bible. Why? Why? If God can do what is stated in Genesis 1-1, is there anything too hard for him? Is it hard to multiply bread and loaves for thousands of people? Is it hard to walk on water? Is it hard to raise a man who is dead back to life? If Genesis 1-1 is true, which it is, and if you can trust what it says by faith, right, then there'll be nothing else in the Bible that is difficult for you to believe. Now, were we there in Genesis 1-1? No. And so by nature, we trust, we put our faith in the word of God that tells us what happened. But listen, when people will begin to challenge that idea, they weren't there either. They have their theory of evolution, They have their hypothesis of the Big Bang, but they too are putting faith in that theory. Now, for you and I, we believe that this is not just a theory. And we have facts and foundations to indicate to us that we can trust what Genesis 1-1 says. I believe it takes more faith to believe in the Big Bang than it does to believe in Genesis 1-1. And so if you can believe this, then there'll be nothing too hard for you to believe because if God created all things, then he controls all things and thus can do all things. Amen? So we're just gonna kind of go word by word tonight because it's not a long verse, right? And so we're gonna go word by word and see really what is being said in this verse, okay? Number one, we're gonna talk about that word God in Genesis 1.1. The nice thing about the book of Genesis is that When it says something, it's typically the first time that it is ever said within Scripture. I want you to note down that the Hebrew word, right? We know that the Bible wasn't written in English, right? So what language was the book of Genesis written in? Does anyone have any ideas? Hebrew, and specifically ancient Hebrew. And we know that the word that is used in Genesis 1-1 is the word Elohim. Everyone say Elohim. Elohim. We're gonna be saying some fun words tonight, okay? This is how you spell it: E-L-O-H-I-M. Elohim. Now, we see a handful of words in Hebrew that 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 describe God. L, E-L is one of them. That is God. Now, this word is very specific, this word Elohim. Why? because I want you to write that word down, E-L-O-H-I-M, and I want you to circle the I-M. That is a plural ending that is attached to that word. So there's another verse in the Bible that talks about gods, as in gods of of pagan religions. It actually uses the same word, Elohim. Now, when you read it, though, it's not plural. It says, in the beginning, God. It doesn't say gods, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so what I want you to understand about this word Elohim is that it is both singular and plural. Elohim is actually used 2,000, over 2,000 times to a point to the creator God, Elohim. But The author, Moses, he could have simply used the word L, E-L, but he chose not to. He chose to make it plural, also known as uniplural, or uh, it's a suggestion that God is one yet more than one. And so we have within the first verse of scripture a hint. Now, if this was the only thing in scripture that we have that talks about the the tri-unity of God, the plurality of God, right? We know God as not just Father, but also what? Son and what? Holy Spirit. Spirit. We see that clear through the whole of Scripture. But right here, we have a hint. We have a preview that, yes, it is one God, but there's a plurality to him. And so we find that just just digging a little bit deeper into the Hebrew. And so we know that uh, this God who created is both singular and plural, okay? That's all we're gonna say about the word God. Second, I want you to note down this word created. This is the Hebrew word bara. Everyone say bara. Bara. It's a simple spelling within our English. It's just B-A-R-A, bara. In the beginning, God bara. He created. This word, it means to call into existence that which had no existence. It is to create out of nothing. It is a word not not that is ever in reference to you and I. You see, you and I cannot borrow, we cannot create something that doesn't exist. Right? Many of you are creative, you guys are able to draw. You guys are able to do that robotic stuff. You guys are able to do all kinds of stuff. But you only create out of that which has already been created. The difference with Genesis 1.1, what God declares here is that he created out of nothing. It is the Latin word ex nihilo. You don't really need to know that, but it's the concept. It's from nothing. It refers that God created everything from nothing. Before Genesis 1-1, there was nothing. And that is what God used to create. He didn't use anything. Now, some of the things we're gonna talk about is a little bit mind-blowing and hard to wrap our minds around. You see, this is something unique to God. Though we have creative characteristics and attributes, we have, I can't just create a flower in my hand right now. What do I have to do to create a flower? I got to take stuff that already exists. I got to take that flower seed. I got to take the dirt. I got to use water. I got to use sun. And I use things that are already created. This word bara is completely different. This tells us that the physical universe that we experience was spoken into existence by God. He didn't take anything that previously existed because nothing previously existed. Is your mind melting out of your ears just yet? Hebrews chapter 11, verse three. I want you to note this down. This is very important for us to understand because Genesis 1, 1, it says in the beginning, meaning there was nothing before that other than, of course, God himself, which we'll get to. Notice on the screen, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. He spoke everything into existence. He didn't use what someone else created so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. See, God is outside of what is seen and he created everything that is seen. Now, this is hard for us to grasp because it's hard for us to think about nothing because we don't know of anything that is nothing. Everything that we know is at least something. <laughs> you guys, are you guys tracking with me? Ken Ham, uh, he refers to Genesis 1.1, not just as nothing, but I want you to note this down, that God created out of not even nothing not even nothing, meaning that everything was created not even from nothing. Nothing isn't even a good description of, of what God did. It was not even nothing he created. And we know that the entire Godhead was involved in this, including Jesus. Colossians 1.16 says, for by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth visible and invisible. What kind of things are invisible? Think about the spiritual world too, right? That's that's included in this creation. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. It's speaking about Jesus. He created out of nothing. We really got to get that down. Okay. It is crucial uh, for this verse because of what I'm about to share with you. Okay. So, so far we've just talked about two words, God, Elohim, who is singular, but plural, which goes in line with the rest of scripture. He created, he borrowed, not borrowed, right? Bara which is the opposite of borrowed. It's to not take anything that was someone else's. There was not even nothing and he created. Okay, you guys got those two things? Okay, there's a few more words within that verse. I want you to note down our next word, heavens. In the beginning, God created the heavens. Don't miss the S because we're not talking about heaven only. Heavens which is an all-encompassing word. Similar to Elohim, this is a plural noun, okay? It is a plural noun. This is why the New King James Version adds the S at the end. Look in your Bibles. Don't just even look on the screen. In the beginning, God created the heaven. Have you ever thought about that? What is he talking about? Heavens. Are there multiple heavens? Listen, the fact that it's translated with an S is very accurate according to the ancient Hebrew. This word is used a lot of other times in scripture to describe the sky, to describe the atmosphere. This word is often used as well to describe outer space, but it's very general in nature. It can be used in many different contexts that you could say, oh, look in the heavens, there's a bird. You could say, look in the heavens, there is a planet. Look in the heavens, there is a, there is a star. You could say, uh, you, you could use this in many different contexts, okay? Does that make sense? You guys tracking? However, we know that when God says he created the heavens, that in verse one, it's not a reference to the actual stars of heaven because we know that in, on day four, that's when God created stars, all right, cheat a little bit in your Bibles and go past verse 1 and look at where it talks about in, on day 4, verse 14 and on, he begins to talk about that's when God created the stars and the moon and the sun and these different, these different things in the heavens or the sky, which tells us that in Genesis 1-1, when he says God created the heavens, he's not talking about outer space. He's talking more general. I believe that he's talking about space itself in relation to when we talk about time, space, and matter. That when he says he's created the heavens, he's saying that he created space itself. This is how we would describe length, width, height. That he created space, all right? So I want you to note that down. Don't think about outer space, but think about space itself, whether it's outer space, inner space, any space described as width, length, and height. When it says that God created the heavens, that's what it's in reference to. It's not in reference to uh, the sky or stars or planets. We get to that later on, day four. And so we first know, and I want you to really note this down, that he created space. Secondly, he says he, he created the heavens and the what? earth. This is where we get the idea that he created matter. So God not only created the heavens, but he also created the earth. The word in Hebrew is the word eretz. Okay, everyone say eretz. It's kind of a weird word. And it's often translated as ground or land. He created ground or land. However, similar to how stars were created on day four, We know that the earth, according to verse 4, sorry, verse 2, originally had no form or shape. Look at verse 2 in your Bibles. It says that the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And so we know that the earth was not yet formed in verse 1 or even in verse 2. We find that dry land was created on day 3. Look at day 3 in your Bibles. You can look at, let's see, verse 9. It says, it let the, the dry land appear. And so forever, guys, I always thought, Genesis 1, one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I'm thinking like our earth only. Like, oh, yeah, God like created like the land and, and made it like a planet. It's much more broad than that. The specifics, he didn't make how, you know how earth is formed now? He didn't do that until day three. And so we know that when God in Genesis 1-1 created, nothing was yet formed. That's why we have these days of creation. He began to, out of what he made, Genesis 1-1, he made the space for everything. But earth is a reference to matter. He created everything that is physical, it's the basic elements of matter that would then later be organized into stars and into the planet and into people and into animals and into plants. And so we believe here that there's a much broader sense matter, as in solid, liquid, or gas. Okay? Space, length, width, height. That's heavens. Matter. Is it the idea of, a, of he created solid, liquid, and gas? He created the heavens, space. He created the earth, matter, substance, okay? So what do you guys think comes third? If we have space, matter, it doesn't necessarily come third. It really comes first. Time, right? In the beginning. In the beginning. Time, as in past, present and future. The word beginning here means the first of time. That should be no surprise to us. But this tells us that before Genesis 1-1, time did not exist. Do you guys hear me? Prior to Genesis 1-1, time did not exist. This is the beginning, the first of time, which tells us with these three things in mind, That God simultaneously, at the same time, created time, space, and matter. Now, you guys didn't know you were getting a a science class today. But listen, the Bible corresponds with everything that we discover because God created it all. Now, I, I would like you to note this down because I know you have it individually, but I want you to have this together. Because... You and I cannot exist out of these three things. In fact, listen, nothing can exist but God outside of these three things simultaneously existing. I want you to write down that these three things are what is known as a continuum, a continuum. If you don't know how to spell that, try to spell continue and then you can, you can hopefully get it from there with um continuum, meaning that you can't have one without the other. And they have to be existent at the same instant. You can't have matter and then later on have space. And then a few years later have time. They have to be simultaneously created in one moment. Why? Well, think about it. If you have matter, okay, if you have solid liquid gas, substance, mass, But you don't have space, height, width, length, where are you gonna put it? If you have matter and space, so you have the space to put the matter, but you don't have time, when are you gonna put it? You see, Anything that we comprehend and know cannot exist outside of time, space, and matter. They are not independent of one another. This is what is known as the Trinity of creation. We have a triune God, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One, they cannot be independent of each other. There's never been a time, it's not like they grew, it's not like at first it was the father and then out of the father grew the son and then grew the Holy Spirit. No, they have actually always existed as this triune God, three but one. And in a similar way, this is the trinity of creation where you have to have all three. And listen, you could, you could put an atheist professor up here and he could not debate the fact that we have to have time, space, and matter. That's a fact, okay? Believe in God or not, time, past, present, future, space, length, width, height, matter, solid, liquid, gas. We believe that God is the one who is outside of these things, who created these things. That's what Genesis 1-1. Because if, if God existed in time, then how could he create it? If God existed within space, how could he create space? Listen, for example, my, my watch that I'm wearing. Whoever created this watch is not in this watch. They are outside of that watch and, and it's not me. It's not like Steve Jobs is, is in my watch and, and, he, and he's kind of changing the things. And when I press the button, he's running around. And, no, no. Because we have an understanding that when you create something, you are outside of that something. And God is that what is known as the unmoved mover. You guys know the law of cause and effect, right? Everything um, that has, I I don't know what it is off the top of my head. I'm I'm messing up. But you guys know law, law of cause and effect, yes? There has to be an unmoved mover. There has to be an uncaused cause. And we believe that that point comes to God. Now, often what comes up within this conversation is then where did God come from? Have you ever had that question? Have you ever had the thought, then who created God? Because if we're talking about that everything's created, then, then, well, who created God? Now, the problem with that question is that question assumes a limited God. You see, the, B- the God of the Bible, the God who created the universe, is an unlimited God outside of time, space, and matter. Do you guys remember when God speaks to Moses in that burning bush? And he says, I want you to go, go to your people. I want you to go to Pharaoh, and I want you to... to, to take my people out of Egypt. You guys know the story? You remember Moses asked God, God, I'm gonna go to my people. I'm gonna tell them that this burning bush was speaking to me, how to take off my sandals. Who do I, who do I tell them sent me? Who, who do I say that you are? And he tells Moses, you guys know? He says, I am what I am. He says, tell them I am I am sense you. It's kind of funny. I am. But it's very interesting to think about this is, this is God. Meaning when he says, he describes himself as I am, you can't think of God in regards to time because he created time. You can't think about God regarding location because he created space. You cannot think of, of God as what because he created matter. He is That is the God of the Bible altogether different than any. There is no comparison because listen, anything that we try to compare God to is what he created. It, it, fought, it fails every single time. Psalm 90 verse two says, before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. This is what we know as the eternal nature of God. He has always been and he, is always, he always will be. But listen, even that statement, to make this statement, he has always been, what am I talking about? What concept am I talking about? He's always been. Time. But do you see how that fails? Because he existed before Genesis 1.1. So how can I describe God as time? But that's the best we can do. He is from everlasting. That word in Hebrew is the vanishing point. Have you guys ever been to the beach before? Hopefully. If you haven't, uh, you need to come to Beach Day immediately because you are missing out. But you know that point where you look at the horizon and there's that point where it looks like the sky meets with the ocean? You know the sky is not meeting with the ocean, right? It's an illusion in our minds because we can't see farther and because obviously the earth curves. We're looking at that curvature of the earth. That is what is known as the vanishing point. As far as you can see that way, God existed. And as far as you can say that way, God will exist. But even the, even the statement itself is insufficient for our unlimited, eternal God that we worship. But let's, let's entertain the question. If someone made God, who would that be? Super God, right? <laughs> but then who made super God? Oh, well, that's of course, super, super God. Do you see how you could go in an unlimited time backwards? And it's a loop. It's illogical. And so that's what you have to do with people. Listen, you talk to people about the Lord. I hope you do. And when you do, maybe the topic of origin comes up, the topic of creation. And let's say they believe in the Big Bang. And let's say they, believed, they believe in, in, in some kind of energy that was there and then formed and then boom and, and over time and space and, and the different arguments that they have take them back and don't stop. For you and I, we have a stopping point and his name is our eternal God, the great I am. We have a point logically where we stop and we say, this is the, this is the unmoved mover. This is the uncaused cause. But for you, take them back. Well, what what created the, what, how did the energy come into existence that created the big bang? Oh, well, 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 we kind of think this, just keep going back because there's a point where they just say, I don't know. And that's when you can say, we do. See, God is what we call infinite. He has no beginning and no end. He is boundless and without limits. And it is crucial that we understand this. And so I want you guys to memorize what we talked about today, that, that fact of, of the, that time, space, and matter, because this, this is what we believe is not, is not absurd. It's reasonable. It's logical. In fact, I believe it is the most reasonable. It is the most logical. It is based on the most fact. And it takes, listen, it takes the least amount of faith. I want to share with you a passage that is, you guys know what a parallel passage is? So a parallel passage is not the passage that you're looking at, but it's one that goes alongside of it very nicely. And there's a passage in John chapter one, and I'm sure many of you are familiar with it, but we got to look at it before we end our time together. John chapter one, look at that starting in verse one, going to verse three, notice any similarities It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. Does anyone know who this verse is referencing? Who is the word? More specifically than God. As Jesus. We know that Jesus, that the word is in reference to Jesus. He is the word of God. And we know that he was there at the beginning. He was there with God. And even think about that. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. What is this communicating to us? It's communicating the eternal nature of Jesus. It's also indicating to us Again, that plurality of God. If Jesus was with God, what does that speak of? That speaks of two right there. But then we know that Jesus is God. And so that's the whole Trinity type of notion. Now, what's amazing about this is the whole of this story. Because we're going to go on in our series and we're going to keep reading through the book of Genesis. Genesis. And we're going to see how, how God begins to form his creation through the six days. We believe what we just read, Genesis 1-1, is part of the first day of creation. Listen, there are going to be even, even Christians who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to try to convince you that verse 1 is not part of the first day. They're going to begin to introduce things to you like what is called the gap theory, that there's millions of years in between verse 1 and 2. They're going to begin to introduce to you things that aren't in the Bible, and what you need to remember is that Genesis 1-1 is the first part of day one. If you just stick to that, you're going to be okay. But then day two is coming, where he says, uh, where he begins to, what's, what's day two? I can't remember off the top of my head. Day two, that's when he begins to divide the waters from each, each other. And he begins to, to, to form literally the matter that he created. And then day three and day four, day five, then he creates us on day six. And you guys know the story, right? Adam and Eve are then created. And what happens? They sin. And they become separated from God that they feel ashamed. You remember they they had to try to sew those fig leaves on because they, they, for the first time, realized that they were naked before each other and before God. It's not that they weren't naked before, it's that they were not aware in the sense of shame. But they felt, they began to feel shame because they felt separation. And so we know that after that point, that those who were to be born in this world, they were gonna be born separated from God. But the awesome truth of Genesis is found in John is that the creator himself didn't want to be separated from his creation. And so what did he do? He became his creation. John chapter one, verse 14, later goes on to tell us that the word Jesus became flesh and dwelt among them. I want you to think about this infinite God, this unlimited God who exists outside of space, time, and matter. He became matter. He entered our space, and he entered our time. Did he have to do that? No, God is so great, he doesn't have to do anything. No one tells God what to do, but the creator became like the creation, and not, in fact, not just like the creation, for what purpose? To live a perfect life that you and I couldn't live. Couldn't do it. We, we, we sin. We, we lie. We cheat. We think horrible thoughts. And it separates us, and every sin separates us more and more from God. But Jesus became, who was there in the beginning. Listen, in the beginning, God, that is Jesus, who was there, when he said, let there be light, he experienced that, he was born as a baby. He went to the restroom, he experienced pain, he experienced family division, he experienced temptation, but he lived the life that you and I can't live. We can't live a perfect life. But God, being the unlimited, infinite God he is, he is described in the Bible as perfect and holy and just and right. And we simply can't get there. So what did Jesus do? Well, just like in the beginning, God had to, remember the fig leaves didn't work out too well. And so we're told in scripture that God had to uh, kill an animal. It doesn't say it, but he used animal skin to cover Adam and Eve. It was the first sacrifice because of sin. And so now they could have somewhat of a relationship with God, but it was going to be different. But you see what Jesus does by dying on that cross and raising from the dead is he defeats sin. He puts the grave back into the grave where it belonged. And he gives us freedom and he restores that relationship with us, with God. And as we believe what he did, and as we not only believe Genesis 1-1, But we believe that the creator God became the creation to save you and I, as we put our faith and our trust in him, we are then restored to how it was always supposed to be. And so listen, I don't know where you guys are at tonight, but I know all of us, we we need to expand our view from God, of God, because he is bigger than we see him. And I'm glad. If we, if we had this God who we just understood everything about and we're like, oh yeah, that, that makes total sense. I don't think he would be God. And tonight, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you, you haven't experienced the peace of God in your life, it's available to you. All you have to do is confess your sins. You still got have I've, I've sinned against, what you've told me to do, how you've told me to live. And I don't even know all your laws, God, but I know that I've broken them. And God, I believe what this guy is saying about Genesis 1-1. I believe that that Jesus did come those 2,000 years ago. He did live, he did die, he did raise from the grave. He did ascend back to the Father. And I want that forgiveness of sins. I don't want that separation between you and I. The Bible says that you shall be saved. And you will then be adopted into the family of God. And it will be an awesome day. Let's pray. Oh well, we're thinking about Moses who, who wrote this book. Lord, he, he saw just the, the train, the, the, the remnants, the afterglow of your glory. And I feel like for all of us tonight, just reading Genesis 1-1 and and diving into it, I feel like we've seen a little bit of your glory, God. How great you are, how big you are. And it can become a little overwhelming, to be honest, Lord. Our minds have difficulty wrapping around these, these great truths. And if it wasn't for the rest of Scripture... You would be terrifying. Yet we know that though you are creator God, sustainer God, unlimited without bounds, you have drawn near to us. You, the creator, became the creation, not because you had to, but because you wanted a relationship with us because you wanted to offer redemption. You don't, you didn't want an eternity away from us. You wanted an eternity with us. And so God, we just simply, we don't have much to say other than thank you. Other than to give you glory in the proper place. Lord, we know our world is nutty and they come up with all these theories, all these things, and it's right here, Genesis 1.1 where we can look back and trust what you've told us because you're trustworthy, because your word is is faithful and true without error. So God, tonight, if anyone is far from you, I just pray that you would draw them close, that they would just talk with you in prayer, they would repent of their sins, they would get right with you tonight, and that you'd begin to expand our view of how great you are. that We might not miss it. And so, Lord, even as we worship, Lord, would we see you as the great God of heaven. And so we love you, Lord, and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.